G'day and welcome to Is It Relevant Today? Right here on Faith FM. I'm Marius Jigau and on this show we're examining biblical concepts and ideas and asking ourselves the important question, Is It Relevant Today? Or is it as outdated and ridiculous as bell-bottom pants? The title of our presentation today is Spiritually Blind as a Bat. Now, bats are pretty amazing creatures. There are over 1,200 species of bats. We actually rely on bats for pollination of around 300 different types of fruit and berries. Many species of bananas, avocados, and mangoes primarily rely on bats for pollination. Bats are the only flying mammal. Well, sort of. You have flying squirrels, but they're not actually flying as such. They're more gliding. Probably a better name for them would be gliding squirrels. Bats can actually get upward momentum by flapping their wings. And they can fly incredibly fast. Bats can fly at over 160 kilometers an hour. Bats rely on echolocation for seeing where they go. They have a way of sending signals which bounce off the things around them and they can interpret these signals to get a three-dimensional image of everything around them. Now, contrary to popular belief, bats are not actually blind. The smaller bats have somewhat less developed eyes and don't see as well, but the medium to large bats, many of them actually have better vision than humans. Now, because of the echolocation, they can have this three-dimensional image of everything around them. In a way, you could say they have a better way of seeing than humans because they can use echolocation and their eyes as well. Bats come in many different types and sizes. You have a bumblebee bat, which when fully grown is only three centimeters tall, about the size of a little bit more than half of your thumb. Then you have the golden crown flying fox, which is as tall as my wife. I asked my wife the other day, how tall are you? And she said, five foot six, which is 168 centimeters. This is the exact wingspan of the largest of the golden crowned flying foxes. These larger bats rely predominantly on eyesight for their flight. Now, eyesight is very important. I would argue that it's probably one of the most essential senses we have. Whenever I see people with a walking stick, my heart goes out to them because I know what they're missing. But the way that I see things and the way that you see things is different. The way that people see things is actually different from the way those around them see. Now, this isn't just because of the prescription they may have in their glasses. This is because some people will focus on certain things and some people will focus on other things. Different people interpret things around them differently. Now, when I presented this sermon, I put up a photo of a colorblindness test and I asked the people how many can see all the numbers in these circles. And most of the people at church said that they can see the numbers in the circles. However, I cannot. I'm colorblind. And because of the way that my eyes are, I don't see color properly. In your eyes, you have these different types of receptors. Some are called rods, which see black and white, and some are called cones, which see color. You have three different types of cones, much like your television, red, green, and blue. And in my eyes, I have less of the red and less of the green receptors, meaning that I'm red, green, colorblind. Now, it doesn't mean that I don't see those colors at all. I do, but I don't see them the same way that you see them. Research actually suggests that no one actually truly sees colors the same as other people because there's a slight difference in concentration of receptors and also because of difference in perception. Now, when I tell people I'm colorblind, they'll often point to something green and ask me, what color is that? And I usually say, it's green. And they're like, oh, hang on, you can see colors. Well, I tell them, probably what I see is slightly different to what you see, but I've been told that that color is green all my life, so that's the word I associate with that color. Sight is mentioned numerous times in the Bible, but more often than not, it's actually not speaking of physical sight. So what does it refer to? We'll find out just after this song. 
do not know how long we have to live our lives on this earth. Our lives may be seventy years, if by reason of strength, maybe eighty. Is it relevant today? I'm Marius Jigao, and today we're looking at sight. We've so far discovered that most bats actually see quite well, and that they have two methods of seeing things around them: echolocation and also visual sight. Some of them see even better than humans. Now, the Bible mentions sight numerous times, but more often than not, the Bible isn't speaking about physical sight. More often than not, it's actually referring to spiritual sight, to being able to see the way that God is leading you, to be able to know where God wants you to go. And quite often, God's people choose to close their eyes. They choose not to hear what God has for them. They choose not to follow the path that God has for them. In fact, he's speaking through Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter twelve, verses one and two, where it says, "Now the word of the Lord." Came to me, saying, "Son of man, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house, which has eyes but does not see; it has ears but does not hear, for they are a rebellious house." What God is saying here is, you have eyes to see; you can see the right way if you want to. It's not like me when I'm looking at those circles with red and green dots; I cannot see the numbers there. It doesn't matter how hard I try; I just cannot see them. No, this isn't what it's saying here in the Bible. In the Bible, it's not saying, "Oh, you can't see these things." No, it's saying you can see if you want to, but you are choosing not to see. And we're told why they do not see and why they do not hear. The reason is not because they're unable to, but because they are rebellious. God sometimes wants us to go in one particular direction or in another direction, and quite often God's path requires some 
self-sacrifice. God's path often requires us to be selfless. And sometimes when we realize the way God wants us to go, we cringe. We look at that path and we think about it and it's like, oh, I don't really know if I want to go that way. This is what it's like to have eyes, but not to see. We're going to have a look at a story today where physical and spiritual sight is of central importance. This story is found in 2 Kings chapter 6, beginning in verse 8, where it says, Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel. And he consulted with his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place where the man of God told him, and thus he warned him, and he was watchful. And not just once or twice. What's happening here is that the king of Syria, who at the time is Ben-Hadad II, He's making war with Israel. Now, he's not making like an all-out open war where all of the forces are fighting each other. What he's doing is he's attacking the periphery of the border. He's attacking a little bit here, gaining a bit of territory there. He's looting a little bit here. And in this way, he's attacking Israel. Syria is actually much stronger than Israel at this time. And what's happening is that the man of God, whose name is Elisha at the time, Now, in my opinion, Elisha is one of the biggest prophets in the Old Testament. It's through Elisha that God does more miracles than through any other prophet in the Bible, with the exception of Jesus, that is. Through Elisha, God works over 30 miracles that we have recorded. Now, Elisha is telling the king of Israel, the Syrians are going to come down this way. They're going to attack you over here. And the king of Israel is like, ah, and he sends a scout. And the scout comes back and says, yep, it's just like he said. So they were prepared for the attacks and the Syrians just can't get the upper hand. So what does the king of Syria do? We'll find out just after this song.
I'd rather have Jesus and let Him lead than to be the King of a vast domain and be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. Than to be the king of a vast domain and be held in sin's dread Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today, right here on Faith FM. I'm Marius Jigao, and today we're exploring sight. We have so far discovered that most bats see quite well, and they actually have two methods of seeing what's around them. They have echolocation and also visual sight. Some of them see even better than humans. We've also had a look at the way that the king of Syria, Ben-Hadad, is trying to attack Israel and how Elisha is telling the king of Israel what the plans of the Syrians are. So, what does Ben-Hadad do in response to what Elisha is telling the king of Israel? We find this in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 11, where it says, The heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? Essentially, he calls his men, he calls his servants and say, Okay, there is a spy amongst us. There has to be a spy among us. He cannot know our plans every single time. What's going on? How is this happening? There has to be a spy among us. Let us find out who he is and we're going to deal with him. And I'd like you to hear what one of his servants responds. He says, None, my lord king. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. That's a little creepy. What he's actually saying here is, Elisha knows everything you're saying. Now, why he's using the terminology, the words that you speak in your bedroom, is because the bedroom is the place where you would expect absolute confidentiality. It is the most intimate place in the household, and you would not expect the words that you speak there to be heard or known by anyone else. But what the servant is telling Ben-Hadad here is, he's saying, you have No secrets from Elisha. He knows exactly what you're saying. He knows exactly what you're planning. Now, what the king of Syria does next just baffles me. In the next verse, it says, Go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, Surely he is in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think of the reasoning of this king, I get the impression that he's not the sharpest cookie in the bunch, right? Here he's just been told that Elisha knows everything you are saying. Everything you are planning is open to him. It's laid open to him. And he says, hmm, let's attack him. How do you think this is going to work out? I imagine the men in his army were like, oh, this isn't a good idea. But they have to do what they're told, so they go and surround the city. Now here we see the first spiritually blind person in our story, which is the king of Syria, Ben-Hadad. God is trying to open his eyes to who he is. 
but he's choosing to keep his eyes closed. When he heard that Elisha has this insight, a more reasonable response would have been to say, Hey, please go and speak to Elisha. Tell him, I want to know more about this God. I want to know more about the one who has such power to do these amazing things. But despite the fact that he has clear evidence of God's power right in front of him, he's choosing to close his spiritual eyes. He's choosing to look with his physical eyes and then to make this, in my opinion, really stupid plan. So... How does his plan pan out? We'll find out just after this song. Like a river flowing down to the sea Like a rushing wind you flow into me Like the falling of the snow Like the blood that makes me whole Is the love of God that flows into me Like a river flowing down to the sea Like a rushing wind you flow into me Like the falling of the snow Like the blood that makes me whole Is the love of God that flows into me And like a river you come flooding through The desert of my heart And like the wind you come rushing, blowing Like the snow you're falling on me With the blood of your own son And like the sun You come shining making darkness run Just like a river flowing down to the sea Like a rushing wind you flow into me like the falling of the snow like the blood that makes me whole is the love of God that flows into me and like a river you come pouring out your love upon the field and like the Bring the harvest down to take your yield And like the snow you come to winter Touching hearts and making warm And like the sun you raise the mighty light To calm the storm Just like a river flowing down to the sea Like a rushing wind you flow into me Like the falling of the snow Like the blood that makes me whole Is the love of God that flows into me Is the love of God that flows Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today? I'm Marius Jigo, and today we've discovered that bats see very well. They have two methods of seeing the things around them, echolocation and visual sight, and some see better than humans. We've also had a look at the attacks that King Ben-Hadad of Syria is trying against Israel, and we found out how Elisha is telling the king of Israel his plans. And when Ben-Hadad is told that Elisha knows everything you're planning, he plans to attack Elisha. Not his brightest moment, in my opinion. The story continues in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15. When the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, 
there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots, and his servants said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Here we find the second spiritually blind person in the story. At first, when I was reading this, I thought, well, this is a reasonable thing to say, right? You're surrounded by an army. But after I sat and thought about it for a while, I thought, this guy has been here with Elisha all along. He's seen how the king is continually informed by Elisha of what the Syrians are doing. He's actually probably the one that Elisha is sending as a messenger to tell the king what's going on. He obviously knows that God has been telling Elisha what the Syrian army is planning to do. But when he sees them, instead of having his spiritual eyes open to think, okay, they're surrounded us, obviously Elisha knows what's happening. God knows about this. God must be planning something big, right? But instead of that, instead of looking with his spiritual eyes, he's looking with his physical eyes. And what he sees terrifies him. The next verse is one of the better known verses in the Bible. It says, So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, I sometimes wonder how he took this comment. Did he think, maybe Elisha hit his head this morning, right? I don't know about you, but I see thousands of people surrounding us and there's only two of us. What are you talking about? Maybe that was his line of thinking. Or maybe his line of thinking was to actually be awakened to his spiritual insight. Where he was like, oh, wait, no, God has this. He knows what's happening. He's been with us all along. I haven't been thinking of the spiritual realities around us. I'm not sure what this statement did to his mind. But in the next verse, we're told that Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, Open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. I would have loved to see what he actually got to see there. Could you imagine what a change in attitude he had? It would have gone from, oh no, we're doomed to they're doomed, right? completely different way of seeing things. Now, I'm of the opinion that when Elisha asked God to open his servant's eyes, he was speaking in faith. I don't believe that Elisha saw those things just naturally. I believe he was thinking of the verse that David had given just a little over a hundred years earlier, where it says, the angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers him. And I believe that he knew this was a promise of God. And because he had such faith, he would have said, Okay, if God says there's an army all around us, then there must be an army all around us. Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And God opened the eyes of the servant and his whole perspective changes. He sees that God is actually in control. So, what does this fiery army end up doing? We'll find out just after this song. I 
surrender all. All to Jesus I surrender. Make me Savior, holy thine. Let me feel. Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today, right here on Faith FM. I'm Marius Gio, and today we've discovered that most bats see quite well, and that they have two methods of sight, echolocation and also visual sight. Some see even better than humans. We've also had a look at the attacks that the king of Syria, Ben-Hadad, is planning on Israel, and how Elisha is telling the king of Israel his plans all along. And despite knowing that Elisha knows what he's planning, Ben-Hadad sends his army and they surround Elisha and his servant. And when his servant is panicked, he tells of his worries to Elisha and Elisha asks God to open his eyes. And then they saw that they were surrounded by a fiery army of angels. Just like David wrote, The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. He now realizes that God is the one who's in control. So, what does God do with this amazing fiery army? The answer is nothing. Absolutely nothing. It's just there. When his eyes were opened, essentially what was given to him was the sight to realize that God is in control. He saw that God has this entire fiery army 
at his disposal. But this was just one of the many ways that God could have chosen to deal with the problem. And it wasn't the way he chose to deal with it. How blessed would we be when we find ourselves in tricky situations, when we find ourselves surrounded and think there's no way out of here, just to pause for a moment and say, hang on a minute. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. How blessed would we be to think, no, I see all of these problems in front of me, but God is in control. And he has many answers to this problem. The story continues in Second Kings chapter 6. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike these people, I pray, with blindness. So he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Now Elisha said to them, This is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. Now, many prominent theologians are of the opinion that the blindness that this army was struck with wasn't a total physical blindness. They believe it was more like a delusionary blindness because what happens is he then leads them to Samaria. Now, Samaria is around 16, 17 kilometers away from where they are. And it doesn't really make sense that this army would then follow a man when they cannot see anything at all and try to continue their quest. So it's more probable that the blindness they were struck with was a delusionary blindness. But he ends up bringing them to Samaria. And here we come across the king, the next spiritually blind person. So it was when he came to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, Open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw that they were inside Samaria. Now when the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, My father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? I wonder what these men would have experienced when Elisha asked God to open their eyes. Did they suddenly become dizzy and things began to spin around and they started to see what was actually in front of them? And when they did see, could you imagine their terror? Right there in Samaria. Samaria is the capital of Israel at the time. This was the most dangerous place for them to be. And they realize that there's no hope. And there comes the king and is like, ah, great. Shall I kill them? The king here is looking with his physical eyes. He's thinking, I have the opportunity to strike a huge blow to the Syrian army. He's not thinking... God has led them all the way here. Why? If he wanted them gone, he would have got rid of them with the fiery army, right? He must have brought them here for a purpose. You see, God's purpose is different from our purpose. God wants to save us. He also wants to save those who are seeking to hurt us. And I absolutely love the way that this story ends. Elisha answers, You shall not kill them. Would you kill those whom you have taken captive with your sword and bow? Set food and water before them, that they may eat and drink and go to their master. And then he prepared a great feast for them. And after they ate and drank, he sent them away, and they went to their master. So the bands of the Syrian raiders came no more into the land of Israel. Isn't that awesome? The way that God sorts out this problem, it's just amazing. I sometimes wonder what they would have told King Ben-Hadad when they got home. It would have been like, we were all dizzy, we didn't know what was happening around us, and suddenly we found ourselves in the middle of Samaria. And the king would have been, well, how did you get out? Did you fight your way out? They would have been, no, 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 the king of Israel then threw us a big party. He would have been like, what? This is the way that God leads. He wants to save us. He wants to save them. And essentially, God's way of dealing with this problem ends up leading to peace for a significant time. Our eyesight is something that's very valuable. But sometimes we choose to look at what we see right in front of us and to shut our eyes to the spiritual dimension. 
Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8, he says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. You are different than the way you were before. And he ends this train of thought in verse 14 by saying, Therefore he says, God says, Awake, you who sleep. Open your eyes. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. What God is saying is, wake up. Open your eyes to the spiritual realities around you and walk in the path that I have set before you, not in your own path. For the last few months, I've been struggling with a number of adjustments that God has asked from me. Usually when God asks something from you, it requires sacrifice. It sometimes requires us to surrender our plans to Him. It often requires us to be selfless. And I have to admit that many times when God says, uh, you need to start doing this or start behaving like this, I'm like, oh, really? Uh, are you sure, Lord? Are you sure this is the way you want me to go? And I have to confess, sometimes it takes a little while for me to say, all right, Lord. I am happy to say that I finally said, okay, Lord. If this is the way you want me to go, I will trust that this is the best path for me to follow, even though it seems not the easiest path to walk. The bats have a problem, especially the medium to large bats. Sometimes they choose to ignore their echolocation and just use their vision and will fly right into a window. And sometimes will die doing so. You see, they have this echolocation. They have a part of their navigational system which tells them there is a flat surface right in front of you. Do not head that way or it will be painful and potentially deadly. But they choose to ignore it. They think, oh, no, it, it looks good. I think I'm going to go that way. How many times have I done this in my life? I don't know if I can count. God has been leading and saying, I want you to go this way. And I've said, ah, Lord, ah, that way over there, that looks better. And I've hit my head against so many walls. I want to ask you today, is there a path that God is leading you? Is there something that God has been speaking to you recently saying, I want you to adjust your course and start walking in this direction? Is God been trying to lead you in a different path and are we saying, ah, but Lord, this path looks better. I want to encourage you today. If God has been tugging at your heart recently and saying, surrender this to me. Put this away. Walk in this direction. I want to encourage you to open your eyes to the spiritual realities around you. We thank you for listening today. And don't forget to visit our YouTube channel called Is It Relevant Today? where we have video presentations on many topics, including the one we've just been talking about called Spiritually Blind as a bat. We look forward to seeing you next week. I'm Marius Jigal. God bless, and I hope you have a magnificent day. Once upon a time, two little lambs were lost. One was cold, he could not find his way. He wandered around, lost and alone, weakening more every day. But then a still small voice started calling his name, and the little lost lamb heard the cry. So he followed the master right back to the fold, and he was sheltered. In his arms all the while 
My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them to them eternal life. But the other lost lamb set out to search on his own to find happiness outside of the fold. Thought he'd do as he pleased and never worried again. Be his own master and guide of his life. As he was feeding upon the meadow of life, he met a wolf in sheep's clothing one day. The wolf said, Come with me now, be happy always. Just give me control of your life. But the poor little lamb, feeling afraid and ashamed, started running, crying, I'm sorry, Lord. But try as he might, he could not find the fold. He was alone, crying, I'm sorry, Lord. Started calling his name, and the little lost lamb heard the cry. So he followed the master right back to the fold, and he was sheltered in his arms all the while. My sheep hear my voice, and I know. And they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. Do you hear him calling your name? He calls from the fold's open door. Just follow the master right back to the fold. Than thousands elsewhere. 
Better is one day in your courts. Better, better is one day in your house. Better, better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. Oh, thousands elsewhere. My heart and flesh cry out for you, the living God. Your spirit's water to my soul. I've tasted and I've seen. Come once again to me. I will draw near to you. I will draw near to you. To you. Better, better is one day in your house. Better, better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. Oh, better is one day in your courts. Better, better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. Thousands elsewhere. Better is one day. 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 You've been listening to Is It Relevant Today? If you have any questions or comments, please leave them on our Facebook page, Is It Relevant Today? But for now, thanks for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next week. I love to tell the story. Twill be my theme in glory To tell the old, old story Of Jesus and His love